the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Tonight, we're going to try to unscramble disinformation. What is disinformation? Well, it's stuff that we hear that sounds like it's true, and then later on we find out it's not. Or at the very least, we find out there's something completely contradictory to what we just heard yesterday. And uh, the bottom line is, we don't know what to do about it. Well, we're going to have a returning guest tonight uh, who's with us. Uh, John Kersey is with us. John, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, John is a professor of communications at Tri-C, and uh, we've had John on a number of times trying to help us muddle through all the information, disinformation, true information, conspiracies, conspiracy theories, <laughs> and all the other things that make life so good. Uh, there's, there's two things you can do tonight. One, if you have any examples of any disinformation situations that has really been a problem for you, uh, feel free to call us uh, here at the WHK tonight at area code 216-901-0945. That's 440, I'm sorry, that's 216-901-0945, and share with us your story, uh, because uh, as a lawyer, I'm very, very fact-based. If I don't have provable facts, I'm not going to buy it. Uh, with us tonight, we have Kathy Lux. Kathy, thank you for joining us again. Good evening. Happy to be here with you, Nick. Happy to have you here. Our guest, not a guest host, but a regular host on, on The Advocate uh, to help us uh, discuss these things and find out what, what is going on. And, and Kathy and I have been talking over not only the months but the years about different views on things. And uh, We have. We look at things maybe slightly different perspectives sometimes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We do. <laughs> we do, but, but that's good because I think we should all be able to discuss things. We should, and we learn from one another, don't you think? Oh, I, we definitely do because normally looking for the truth is somewhere in between the various points of view. And do we ever really find the truth? Unless you witness something physically, I mean, you're not going, right. <laughs> you, you can't do it. But, uh, but in, in, in any event, uh, John uh, is with us. And uh, tell us about, John, your, your role over at Tri-C. And I know what you, for the people who haven't heard you before, what is your sort of focus as far as disinformation uh, social media, media generally speaking, living in a bubble, being an influencer, all of these things. And more, right? Uh, I teach media and, and journalism studies. I teach media and journalism studies at uh, Tri-C and have been there oh, going back now 19 years. Uh, I was selected as a Mandel faculty fellow by the college to do some research in some writing about disinformation and misinformation in 2019-2020, and some of that work kind of got deep-sixed when COVID hit, 
and then I had a bit of a health setback. So I'm not doing as much about it as I would like, Nick and Kathy. But having said that, I, I've done enough research and enough understanding of what's going on to be extremely alarmed about the ramifications of it for our democracy. And I am especially alarmed at what I'm seeing coming uh, to our shores from uh, Russia disinformation experts and Chinese disinformation experts uh, over and above uh, what happens in the political spectrum. Uh, I'm not sure which is worse, but uh, it, it does make it more and more difficult all the time for Jane Q or John Q public to really get an accurate assessment of what's truly truthful about what's going on in our world today. And and so, John, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's so difficult for um, citizens to try and understand what's real and what's true um, the way the media situation is now. And I'm curious to know, how do you trace it back? How do you discover what is Russian misinformation and what is from China misinformation? What What is that like? What is your work? Well... The tracing of it, Kathy, isn't isn't as much something I'm doing originally. What I'm doing is following the work of many others, and I'll give you one example. Um, if you're paying attention to what's happening in Eastern Europe and Ukraine and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, there is a, um, a watchdog group that is based out of Eastern Europe that uh, has been watching that for almost 10 years now. And they have a website called EU. V.S. Disinfo. Dot E.U. Because it's based in Europe. And this group has already cataloged more than 12,000, and that's correct, 12,000 campaigns of Russia disinformation that's aimed at Europe, specifically Eastern Europe, and with even greater specificity uh, in recent months, uh, Ukraine and the nations around Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of interesting, right? It uh, is. When the war started, when the war started, Russia's first missiles and first attacks weren't on Ukrainian military installations. They were on Ukrainian communications capabilities. They wanted to wipe out Ukraine's ability to communicate with its own people. Mm-hmm. And the reason they want, and the reason that they did that is they they already had all their propaganda and their disinformation apparatus all set up to try to convince the people of Ukraine that there was a handful of evil leaders that were Nazis and they had to be removed for the benefit of all humanity so that the Ukrainians and the Russians could be brothers again. That was their their big lie that they had planned uh, from the get-go when they invaded on February 24th, which, by the way, was exactly five months ago. Well, you, you know, when um, we've been looking at the media and what the media delivers, we talk about uh, professions with codes of ethics, like journalism and so on. Uh, and we think about when journalism, at its height, when they would be delivering information as unbiased, factual, truthful information. Most of us have grown up accepting that. We would listen to the news and we would accept it as the truth and move forward. Now, that's not true. We have different versions of the truth that is sometimes half and half or more uh, opinion uh, in addition to facts. And censoring. We have censoring now. And censoring just by the fact that selections are being made. Correct. When you you can take two positions, which position are you going to present? Because the people are just inherently going to be putting a lot of trust in the media 
Mm-hmm. So whatever the media concludes from an editorial standpoint will probably be accepted by the people. And now we're having the the, the left and the right and all the different media. Uh, and I know, John, you, you have a wonderful slide that shows about 50 to 75 different media outlets. And you have a center line that represents the center. Then you have uh, these uh, logos put on the left and put on the right and so forth. About how many different media outlets do you have on your chart that can be left, right, or center? Uh, Nick and Kathy, I, I, I've seen two versions of those charts which I share, and one of them has more than 100 media outlets on it. And you, you both hit on a key topic that I would encourage listeners to, to be uh, thoughtful of tonight. And it's, it's a simple but profound one. Uh, we all have our biases. We all come into any situation or any analysis of a news story with a, a given bias. And the purpose of these charts is to basically look at the media through which we consume and then ask ourselves, where is that media on this chart? Does it lean left? Does it lean right? Is it near the middle? And if it's something that's controversial, I always encourage my students to look at multiple sources, look at a source that would be on the right and look at the source that would be on the left and realize that the truth probably doesn't lie with either one and it it most likely lies somewhere in between. And Nick, that that rolls back to a point you made near the front of this. And I I believe a lot of us are operating under this misconception. And uh, it's kind of like a dichotomy, which I'll explain. Uh, in the time when Nick and I were young college students, and we, and we paid a lot of attention to ethics, and we paid a lot of attention to regulations and values, uh, there, was a, there still is an organization called the Society of Professional Journalists. And the first um, tenet of, of their code of ethics is to seek the truth and then report it. And then the second tenet is to minimize harm. Well, nowadays, Many times in what I would call regular news reporting for regular news media outlets, neither one of those tenets are being followed or adhered to very well. Uh, there's a group called the Ex- Excellence in Newspapers. They did a study about 12 or 13 years ago looking at the types of stories. They did a typology, what types of stories are appearing uh, back then on newspapers. And they discovered that more than 30% of the stories that were appearing uh, on the front page were conflictatory in nature. And what I mean by that is that there was an intentional effort in terms of the writing and the presentation of the story to present a conflict between one side versus another side. Mm-hmm. And in the writing, one side or the other side would be perceived as being the bad guy. Well, that, that, is, and, that is so true. Uh, John, we're going to come back to that in a moment. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux here on WHK Tonight on The Advocate. We'll take a short break. We'll be back after these words, so don't go away. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with Kathy Lux. Kathy, thank you for being here. Oh, I love being here, Nick. And I love being here, Kathy. <laughs> Just to debate. We're gonna, <laughs> yes. We're going to get into a fist fight one of these nights, no, I'm sure. No, 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 no. We can do this. We are very way. sane in our discussion. <laughs> yes. But uh, with us tonight, we have John Kersey from Cuyahoga Community College talking about disinformation. And is it real? And it, I believe it is real because we're experiencing it. We can see it every day. And uh, we've asked people if they have any examples of any disinformation items 
that are out there that they can call the station and join us tonight uh, to ask a few questions. Uh, Kathy and I were just talking off air here during the break that uh, examples are Russia, disinformation from Russia and other countries basically trying to disrupt the work here being done in the United States. It, it is, but Nick, I also feel that John raised a really good point before our last break here about the fact that the media seems to want to um, promulgate division and and uh, kind of stir the pot with with their stories so that it's just creating more divide and um, and, and getting everyone worked up. And John, I, I think that's a really huge point that maybe you could expand on a little. Well, let me let me put a little fact or two behind that, Kathy, and then let's kind of roll back and, and think a bit about this with a lens of disinformation. Every January, a global public relations and marketing company called Edelman puts out something that it calls a trust barometer. It does a public opinion survey of people in about three, about 30 different countries. And in this survey that was released again January 2022, 48% of the public view government as a divisive force in society. 46% view the media as a divisive force Mm -hmm. in our society. And what that means is that we now don't know whom to trust. Right. And that's the big problem. If we went back 43, 44 years ago, and we had ABC, NBC, CBS, and this new entity out there called PBS, and Walter Cronkite said at 6.59 p.m., and that's the way it is, Mm -hmm. most of us accepted that as the way that it is. That's just simply not the case anymore. And if I can give you uh, like an example from about five years ago and an example from a month ago, you'll see where I'm going here. Um, we know that people get very passionate and get very animated in posts on social media. Uh, the University of Washington examined the Internet addresses, the actual IP locators of some of the top posters in the groups Black Lives Matter and groups that were pro the police after some violence in 2016. And they discovered that the plurality of the most influential posters on both sides didn't come from New York or from Washington or from California or from Minnesota or from Ohio. They both came from the Internet Research Agency that's based in St. Petersburg, Russia. In other words, Russians were pretending to be Americans putting inflammatory posts on social media, pitting one of us against the other one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about the murders mm-hmm. of 19 school children and two teachers at Robb Elementary School in Texas last month. I don't have proof, but I know deep within my bones that Russia had already produced inauthentic posts and images for both Second Amendment and for gun control filled with vitriolic language and using images and memes that they already pre-tested to evoke the strongest possible emotional reaction from the readers of their posts. And these were some of the things that Americans saw on social media 
at the beginning of June when that shooting occurred. It didn't come from people in the United States. Oh, some of it did, but some of it came from Russia. And, Their goal is just to divide us. Yes. And, and John, were those, I'm curious, were those uh, pro-Second Amendment or against Second Amendment? Both. Both. Div- divide and, divide and conquer. Russia, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Russia doesn't care about our Second Amendment rights. Right. And sadly, Russia doesn't care about how many people get killed in shootings in the United States. They're just looking for ways to divide us. Sure. And that's and that's what they do time after time after time with their disinformation campaign. It's insidious. Well, well uh, they took over temporarily took over a radio station in Ukraine last week, and had a whole set mm-hmm. of fake news putting out saying that um, Vladimir Zelensky was terribly ill and uh, in danger of dying, and other people were going to run the country. Completely fake completely made up, but that's just the way they operate. You know, we, we talked uh, in the past uh, about the idea of the, the war of words, the war of uh, persuasi- persuading people to be capitalist rather than communist, and we had the Cold War and all of that. And, and now there seems to have been a shift where we're now talking about democracies under attack from totalitarian governments. And it seems like when we're talking about Russia and China and North Korea and so forth, that it's in their political and economic interest to have a weaker United States. So it's not surprising to me that if you're getting from Eastern Europe, you're getting uh, fake news coming out uh, on, on both sides of an issue, just dividing the country further, making Americans feel more dissatisfied with the way we have government here. Mm-hmm. And we, and, and go ahead. Mm-hmm. You, you're right. You're right. But expand that because it's not just the United States. Uh, Russia had a horrific disinformation campaign aimed at Poland shortly after Poland increased its level of support for Ukraine. And it was aimed at convincing uh, people in Poland that um, Ukrainian Jews were going to start trying to do um, exterminations of people in Poland once once massive numbers of refugees got into the country. And then on the other side, in western Ukraine, Russia launched a disinformation campaign on social media to try to convince Ukrainians there that Poland planned to annex a couple of the western obots or provinces and make it part of Poland. Hmm. They're trying to pit Poland against Ukraine. Well, we, we could see examples of that. <clears throat> we asked uh, people to call in tonight if they have any questions or comments or some examples to share with us. And uh, if, if you do, feel free to join our, our conversation, our discussion tonight. Call us here at WHK at 216-901-0945. And we have a caller. Uh, Patrick Manning is uh, with us on the line. Patrick, are you there? We'll, we'll, we'll see if Patrick is I there. I really appreciate it. Patrick. Can you hear me? Okay, now we can. We can hear you, Patrick. Thank you. Hi, Patrick. Okay. Hello, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate Kathy and Nick for highlighting this topic tonight. I, I I believe it's probably one of the most important things that affects our country's freedom, any than uh, you know, other than any other issue today. And John, thank you for your expertise. Um, I have a disclaimer. It took me four years at one of Ohio's top journalism schools to learn that the media was extremely biased and that I would never pursue a career in journalism after I graduated with my journalism degree. So, <laughs> oh uh, my. <laughs> I think so we need I think we need good Patrick, we need good people in journalism who will will tell us like Walter Cronkite said the way it is 
not yeah. not not well, why it's dad, like that in their opinion. Patrick, I'm, Patrick, I'm, hang on, Patrick. I, I'm sorry to yeah. hear you say that, but I, in all honesty, I'm not surprised. Yeah, my editors told me the stories they wanted to, me to report on, and actually um, had the uh, worked really hard to get the political beat during the election, and uh, they wanted me to report on stories that were really, really insignificant but sensational, but would not help our uh, student body understand who and learn who these uh, candidates were and and vote for the right person. So Mm -hmm. that's when I departed from my... uh, my journalism desires. But John, the question I have for you tonight is what do you think the ultimate result of this uh, different disinformation will be in our country? And I know you've so far talked about a lot of like Russian disinformation and, and internationally, but I mean like what our media is doing now, what they're presenting and how this really affects our country's democracy. That's a terrific question, it Patrick. Is. I, I let, let me start by saying uh, we, we almost need to revisit the First Amendment in some respects. Uh, I, I, I don't like the idea of regulation, but I do think that, that when newspapers and, and other outlets have basically a carte blanche to run stories that, that are false, that's going to create more harm than good in any situation. Uh, I'll use the example of a young man who was involved in a, uh, a little demonstration in Washington, D.C. three or four years ago and got roundly castigated by news media all over the country for being an evil person because of something he had on his cap. Uh, it turned out to be completely unfounded, untrue, and this gentleman's now collected, last time I checked, more than $100 million dollars Mm-hmm. and damages for media outlets for untrue statements that they said about him. But the problem isn't the money. The problem is the damage that the stories do. Well, the let's, let's the come back to the damage. The division that the stories call. John, John, let's hold on, hold on to that thought, John. We're going to have to take a short break, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll talk about the First Amendment and uh, what, what we can do about it. So you're listening to Nick Phillips with Kathy Lux here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you. With Kathy Lux here talking about disinformation and, and what's going on uh, with the information we do get and, and do we believe it. And I think we all assume we want to believe what we hear. If we hear it, if people are brave enough to say something in the media, on the computer or on the radio or on television, that there must be some truth to it or else mm. they wouldn't dare be saying about it what's going on. Uh, with us uh, again, we have John Kersey from Cuyahoga Community College, professor in communications. John, again, as always, thank you for joining us and, and sharing with us. Um, Thanks for having me. My, my, my pleasure. The, the thought of disinformation and how you can have information that is so opposite without proof coming in, which leaves all of us 
rational thinking people with, without a basis to make a decision as to what is the truth. Uh, we get these divided and misdirections going on. Um, the effect, whether it's intentional or not, and it probably is, the effect is that it's dividing our country, and we have been divided. We've been divided on issues between you know, Russia and what's Russia doing with Ukraine, divided on COVID, divided on masks, divided on vaccines, divided on the 2020 election still mm-hmm. uh, on 6th January, and even divided on Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ. Right. Uh, and the list goes on climate change. Keep going. There's, Keep going. Right. There's, it's, the list is huge. So who... And racism. Who's behind, who's behind this? Well, exactly. The, that, that's the question. It, it, it's, to me, when I watch the various cable news programs, I see a, a, uh, an intent there to, to create this division. And so, and so my question to you, John, is do you have a theory? Do you have a feeling as to here at home, what's the end goal? Why do they want us? I mean, is it really just about ratings? I just can't believe that. Why, why is there this effort in the media to keep us, um, unclear as to what to believe and and, and divided? Who benefits by us being divided and weakened? Well, part of it is ratings, and to be more precise, it's dollars that are tied to the ratings. And if a network, if a network's top producers think that they can come up with a steady line or a steady strategic approach about how they present news in a way that will get more people to watch or tune in or pay attention to what they're doing on social media to generate more advertising revenue and cha-ching uh, money for uh, their enterprise, then they're going to try to pursue that. Uh, that has backfired. And in more recent years, you see fewer and fewer people actually paying attention to those cable news channels mm-hmm. and going to streaming services, going to their own sources uh, of information online because they don't trust uh, the media anyways near as much as they used to. Uh, in the United States, I know, again, according to that Edelman survey, uh, 74% of Americans now worry about false information or fake news being used as a weapon. As a weapon. It is. That's an all-time high in, in terms of that. Now, to roll back to with some specificity, Kathy, to what you had said, um, I think part of it's also ideological. Uh, let's roll back. I don't think he's on the phone anymore, but, but what Patrick had said, uh, he believed, in fact, he, he felt certain that the editors were sending out people with a certain ideology or a certain story, um, theme that they wanted to, 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 to happen. And forgive me if I put my professorial hat on here for just a minute. No, go right there ahead. Are two terms, there, yeah, there are two terms I think we, we, who are listening to the advocates and I ought to be thinking about, um, One's called agenda setting, and the other one that's even a little bit more insidious than that is called framing. So if you don't mind, I'll take a minute to explain. Please. Agenda setting means this. The media can't tell us what to think, but they can tell us what to think about. 
All right. Mm-hmm. And Kathy, if 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 I uh, misrepresent this, feel free to jump in. But when sure. I start down this path, I am pretty sure you see where I'm going. And by the way, the I views do. I'm about to express right are mine. They don't belong to Chicago Community College. I like the disclaimer you have at the beginning there, Nick. Um, <laughs> right. there, there were 574 declared riots in the United States in 2020. There was one riot in the United States on January 6, 2021. Uh, Which of those two gets 95% of the media's attention today in 2022? Of course. That's an example of agenda setting. Right. All right. The one that's more insidious is, is framing. And framing is looking at how the news is presented. So go back to what Patrick was talking about Go back to that study from the Excellence in Newspapers that I had mentioned from about 2009, 2010, was looking at 30% of all the stories on the front page being conflictatory in nature. Uh, I saw a disturbing trend at the end of June when uh, the Supreme Court issued its ruling in um, Dobbs versus Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, the, Roe the, v. Wade, the ruling yes. that overturned Roe v. Wade, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and here was the disturbing trend that I saw. Uh, all of the stories, almost all of the stories that I saw in the Cleveland paper, in the Akron paper, in the Columbus paper, in other major papers in Ohio, and the news reports that I saw on a lot of TV stations began to use the words anti-choice, anti-choice mm-hmm. to describe the side that had previously been called pro-life. That's an example of framing. When the media decides to cover a story in a certain way, using certain words that create frames or images in the reader or the viewer's mind. And the part of that that also disturbed me, as I looked at the newspaper accounts, uh, by and large, they were all written by relatively young females who really didn't know the history and background of the 49 years of what's been going on since Roe v. Wade in 1973. Hmm. And that led me to a very simple conclusion, and it was that the the people who support Planned Parenthood, the people who support choice, used those intervening months between the leak of that Supreme Court ruling and the actual unveiling of it to plan a very powerful, very strategic uh, set of communication messages which they were presenting to people even before the ruling happened. Well, when you, and the media bought it. When you, when you, talk, about, when you talk about framing, uh, that, that usually is something that is done by a group or an idea that uh, some group is trying to promote that uh, will, will basically cater to their supporters or to their, their audience. So when we're, we're talking about framing... I think there's, going back to that chart that you have with over 100 different news outlets, people can select their handful of far left or far right uh, news outlets uh, and uh, just sort of constantly feed themselves with all of that information from that point of view. And when you mentioned earlier Walter Cronkite at the end of each broadcast at at about 7 p.m. after his 6.30 news broadcast on CBS, you say, and that's the way it is. Now people are saying on every one of these news outlets, and here's why we believe it is that way. And they're giving you their opinion. 
And you start creating these bubbles that are mushrooming up all over the place that people tend to get into. And then we get into a situation where when we try to debate these questions, people get almost like with a religious zeal defending their position, even though they may not know exactly why they're holding that position so dearly. How did that? That's Go ahead. That, 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 Nick, that's correct. And, you know, let me just make sure so if somebody were to, you know, try to better understand this. Um, we're talking about news framing. And in that, it's kind of like a, a cognitive bias where an individual's choice from a set of options. And again, I think about pro-life or pro-choice is influenced more by the presentation itself than by the substance of the a pertinent information that's involved. In other words, the presentation isn't fair and balanced, <laughs> to borrow a phrase. At all. It's not, let's look at this side, let's look at that side. You know, it, it's more like we're going to change the way this is presented so that you're either more for one side or maybe not as much for one side. Well, it's break time again. Uh, we're talking to uh, John Kersey from Cuyahoga Community College. We're trying to get a handle on disinformation and what are we as average mm-hmm. people supposed to do about it to guide our own lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kathy. And it's interesting, too, because what we're seeing in the, in the media, I think a lot of times is groupthink. They're using the same verbiage and framing collectively. No, that, that is true. These are all in play. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back after these words, so don't go away. We'll be back for our final segment. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you, with Kathy Lux, and with our our guest. Hello, say hi, Kathy. Hi. I'm sorry, I talked over you on that. No, that's okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is our last segment for tonight. Time is flying by when we're trying to cover everything in, in one in, in one night, and it's just not enough time. But uh, we're with John Kersey tonight from Cuyahoga Community College. Professor Kersey, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, okay, in our last segment tonight, where, where, where are we? What, what advice do you have for us ordinary people who are victimized by all the different choices we have in, mu- in the media, all the different choices we have in facts, and uh, when we have to form our own opinions as to why something happened, where do we look or do we have to process everything individually and come up with the possibility of having a different opinion than a spouse? What are we doing that man? <laughs> so, John, what is your sage advice to us all? It's bad <laughs> advice, Nick. Uh, and what I'm doing is trying to be a sheep. Mm-hmm. And don't be the the the, the stinking thinking sheep that that's not really thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get tricked. Uh, anytime you look at a story nowadays, I, I suggest looking at the source. What lies beneath it? Um, are there verifiable facts that are in the story? Uh, check the about page if it's a website or some type of online account, and uh, look to see who's behind it. Sometimes you find the person who's behind it has a blatant uh, political agenda, and, and that would help you evaluate whether or not you, you, you listen to that. Uh, the second thing I do is look at the history. Uh, does this source have an agenda? Uh, find out what kind of subjects it regularly covers. 
And does it cover it one-sided, mm-hmm. or does it actually promote both sides? Uh, the first E stands for evidence. And again, I mentioned this before. Um, explore the details of any claim. If there's a meme, look at behind the details of that and find out if it's backed up by reliable evidence. One of the things I like to suggest is look at two or three or four different websites and see how they're covering the same story. And if one of them's completely different than the other three, uh, maybe that one is got an agenda. Uh, the, the other E stands for emotion. Um, if they're trying to rely on emotions to make a point, like a sensational picture or using divisive language or inflammatory language, uh, I would greatly discount that. Um, there's a, a social media post that's going all over the Internet this weekend of a certain bakery in Akron that's got um, cookies that, that have a four-letter word on it. And that's a highly charged picture. And when something like that gets out, that's going to really uh, tip the way people think about that, 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 that business in a huge way. Well, people should keep that, in, well, keep that in perspective. It's cookies. But, you know, when you have like uh, over 10 children murdered in a school, uh, that is going to be emotional. And that, yep. is, that is ripe for people to come up with all kinds of uh, solutions in their opinions. Oh, emotions, emotions are acceptable. I mean, that's part of everyday life. We're all going to laugh and cry. It's when the language is inflammatory or the language is divisive or the language is trying to pit one person against another, then my flag, my, my red flag goes, my warning light goes off. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't right. True, But that's true. that last part, you know, source, history, evidence, emotion. And then the P stands for pictures. Look at the pictures if it's some type of social media post. Identify what kind of message and image is portraying and whether the source is using an image that is like a news in orientation, or if it's something that's artificial just to try to, again, be inflammatory or gain attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to what you talked about, a, a picture of a mom grieving at the, at, at the door of a school, or the entrance of a school because there's been a horrific shooting there, that's news. You know, that, that, that should always be something that would be appropriate. Now, if somebody turns that into a meme and tries to make a huge point, say, against the Second Amendment or for the Second Amendment, then that becomes becomes more of an effort to try to make a point at, at the expense of another side, becomes more divisive in, in terms of its nature. And that's what we need to be on guard against. So, uh, sheep, source, history, evidence, emotion, and pictures. And, and so, John, having said all that, do you have any hope, do you see any uh, change coming down the line with the mainstream media in terms of of the sensationalism, the divisive um, antics that go on, all of it. Do you, do you, are you hopeful for a change? Boy, Kathy, you get points for being persistent because I know you ask a variation of that question before the mm-hmm. last break. Um, no and yes. Uh, honestly, with the mainstream media, and I really don't like that term, but I, I, what we're talking about when we say that are like the major networks and the major newspapers, right. I don't think so. Uh, I think they're so set in their ways that um, they're not very capable of changing. And the sad part of being so set in your ways is that it's also leading to, to declines in revenue, declines in readership, declines in viewership. And eventually, you know, some of these papers and some of these media outlets are probably headed for um, the trash heap because 
they're they're not really being responsive to what people want. Oh, they want now, entertainment. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Thank you. Now, take the other side of that that coin, Kathy, and I think there is a lot of hope there because one thing I know about people is they will seek out and they will find the media that they think most closely resonates with what their belief system is. True. Mm-hmm. And there's more diversity in terms of media outlets and more diverse voices out there than I think there's ever been in our history. And I think that's good. I think that's something worth celebrating. Uh, does it mean that more of them are going to try to aim for the truth? Probably not. Although there have been some notable efforts to try to be literally more, how can I say this, unbiased or down the middle in terms of, of news. We've seen some some launches and some startups in recent years that actually talk about that and promote that in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. Yes. Uh, well, but having said that, I think I think the, the answer for us lies in the fact that there are more diverse sources for information than ever before. And remember, the, the best thing we have in our power is either that remote control or that mouse that we can change the channel, so to speak. Well, well, that, well that all being said, we don't like, we can change it. In, in closing here, we just have a couple minutes yet, but in, in closing, uh, I think the picture that we have out there is that we have so many more sources of news. We call it news, but what we can't call it is absolutely accurate. We have that doubt about what we're seeing, whether it's factual, whether it's truthful or not. And I I think the advice is good that if we follow the advice and we want to be really satisfied with knowing everything correctly, we're going to have to spend a whole lot of time researching pretty much every factual thing that's coming out there. We're going to have to go (laughs) back and check things out, quit our jobs, separate ourselves from our families. (laughs) And just sit on the computer trying to figure out what's All going on. All day long, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to well, say, we, we can't we do can, that. Yeah. yeah. No, one thing we can do, though, right? If, if we see a story in, in, in the newspaper that, that's wrong or on TV that's wrong, it doesn't take any time at all to fire off an email complaining to them and saying, hey, you're presenting this one side. You're presenting this in a very biased manner. You know, anybody can do that. And I would encourage the public to do more of that because I do think that if the powers that be got more complaints like that, they might be more sensitive to what's really going on. That's an excellent uh, yeah. recommendation. I like it. Yeah. Freedom of the press, freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. We're citizens. We have to play a role in our government. Preserve if, our democracy. If we like democracy, if we think it's the way to go, there is something we can do. It. John Kersey, Professor John Kersey from Cuyahoga Community College. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Kathy and Nick, thank you for having me tonight. My pleasure. We'll have you on again to talk about this desperate issue. And uh, thank you, Kathy. Thank you for joining. And uh, thank you for listening out there because we'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a healthy, safe, and happy week. Good night. Good night, everybody. Sleeping parrot, dreaming parrot dreams. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset. Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind accompanied The Advocate is sponsored by Nick Phillips and is responsible for its content. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.